Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Check one. There I am. Good morning. Good morning, Thrive. Man, wasn't worship just so powerful? Come on. That was amazing. Can we give it up for the entire Dream Team this morning? Worship team, connect. Security, kids, all of it, all of it, just powerful. And so excited to have you with us here this morning. For those that are here for the first time, thanks for joining us. My name is Pastor Chris. Uh, I serve as lead pastor here at Thrive Church. I believe the best church in the world, right? That's what Pastor Eric says. Best church in the world. And uh, very excited for what all that God is doing, especially, man, when, when God does stuff like that in worship. Come on now. You know. Y'all, y'all thought you might have come for free coffee today. You got all up in your kitchen and your Kool-Aid, and, and it's all good. It's all good. So excited for group launch this week as well. How, how only Jesus, right? 700 signups, and we still have room? Come on. And so, listen, family, if you have not signed up, sign up. I'm telling you, it will change your life, not just in one session, but a lifestyle of allowing Jesus to use the relationships he's already designed in your life to encourage you, to strengthen you, to call you higher. Um, You need to do this with other people. You need to do this with other people. I'm telling you right now, especially for those of you in the room who God was speaking to you in that little altar moment, that little prophetic moment, whatever God was doing in that worship time, and you got some stuff you got to let go, it's much easier when you do it with someone else, okay? Jesus needed help carrying his cross too, all right? And so some of us sometimes just need someone else. All right, well, I'm excited for today. We're gonna jump in and we are continuing our series called Inside Out. Can we just give it up for Pastor Eric last week? Come on, give it up for Pastor Eric. Love it, great stuff, talking about the relationships in your life, how you need your relationship with God, the different types of relationships, and how you and I, a sign of how we're maturing in Jesus is that those relationships are established and healthy. So good. Love it so much. And so let's do this. Let's go ahead and jump into the word. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 6, Old Testament today. That's like the book everyone skips. Not today. It's like Genesis, Exodus, you skip Leviticus, Numbers, go to Deuteronomy, and if you make it through Joshua, then you're really spiritual. Come on. (laughs) Whoever's tried chronological studies. Do me a favor. Stand your feet. Let's read the word together. So we stand for the word, and it says this in Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. Verse four. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skin. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair, of his head grow long. Verse six, all the days that he is separate, that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body, 
not even for his father or for his mother, for brother or sister, if they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. Jesus, we pray that you would just continue what you're doing. I pray I would continue to get out of the way. Holy Spirit, you would use me to speak and God, our hearts and our minds would be ready to what you, Spirit, wanna say. Holy Spirit, we love you, Jesus. We trust you. And God, I thank you for what you're doing here at Thrive. And in Jesus' name, the Thrive family said, yeah. amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message, we're going to talk about consecration. I feel like God might have wanted to set that up in worship because he kind of also was going to set something up with the message. And um, we're, going, we're going to get into some stuff today. And just so you know, I did not pray with specifically someone in mind, and no, I didn't know you were coming, okay? We're just going to set that zone now. Sometimes I, we preach, right? Pastor Eric, we will preach on this stage, and someone will come up to us afterward and be like, someone must have told you I was coming. Because you, you just, you knew. You said some stuff. Well, I had no idea. I had no idea. I don't even maybe remember your name, but I love you. Right? Come on, we all do it. What's up, bro? <laughs> We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it a little bit. We've been talking about this series, Inside Out. And really, the heart behind this series is to understand indicators of spiritual maturity to someone who says they love Jesus or they know Jesus. In the same way that we talked about it a few weeks ago, how the only way you can tell how old a tree is is based on the rings on the inside of the tree. In the same way, the only way you can tell the maturity of someone oftentimes is by what's happening on the inside of them, not what's happening on the outside of them. In particular to our relationship and our walk with Jesus, oftentimes it's an inside, inside faith before it is an outside faith. Um, I've learned that more often than not, it's invisible before it's visible. And learning to live from the inside out is so key. So that way we can be authentically who God has called us to be. Uh, so that way we could represent to the world who Jesus wants us to represent to the world too. So that way we're not making Jesus look bad anymore. Let's just be honest. The church hasn't done so hot every now and then, but I am a firm believer that the local church is the hope of the world. That it's through God's idea, which is the church on earth, which is the people gathered, that Holy Spirit moves and reaches cities and peoples and families. And I believe that with all my heart. And so you and I got to grow up a little bit. And so today, one of the signs or indicators that I believe of someone who is maturing in Jesus is this word called consecration. Another fan, it's a fancy word for holiness. You and I got to have a proper relationship and a pursuit of holiness with Jesus. That's why I talked about grace first two weeks ago, because I knew we were going to talk about this. And so there needs to be this balance of understanding that although God has granted me grace, and although I cannot earn it, I also have a responsibility to follow Jesus to the capacity that he's called me to follow him. No one can do your walk with God. Right? No one can get you into heaven. 
No one can determine your pursuit between you and Jesus. That's why even, for example, like worship is such a sacred, such a, like a holy thing, you know, it's, uh, it's powerful because it's only you and God. It's only you and God. And so God's gift of salvation and his grace and his righteousness, powerful. But then God puts the responsibility on us to do what he's called us to do. And one of those things is to consecrate ourselves. And so I wanna break that down a little bit. Let me define what consecration is. I kind of did this a couple weeks ago and I think it's a good start for where we're headed. So in English, the word consecration means having been made or declared sacred. I think that's the normal standard definition of what you and I think of when we might've think of this term or if we've ever heard this term. However, I love what it means in Hebrew. And this is where we're gonna get the numbers context, the, the numbers chapter six context in this definition. It's this word Kadesh. Everybody say Kadesh. Yes. I hope I'm saying it right. Or else you're gonna have to relearn it. That's okay. Kadesh. It means to be set apart. Love what Pastor Eric talked about in communion. He didn't even know we were talking about this really, I think. It means to be set apart. Did you know that when you decided to accept the salvation in your life, when Jesus called you and you said yes, that you are no longer part of the world that you used to be in. You, the Bible talks about how you are now in, in Philippians, a new citizen of a different kingdom. And I, I know most of us know this, but, but I want you to really understand that what God did is God took you out of a people group and put you into a different people group. God took you out of this certain people. Everybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about people group? Like you ever remember when you're in high school and either you were a jock or you were a skater. I'm a millennial, so you know, that's kind of what skating was really popular back then. Um, or whatever the case may be, you might've been a jock, you might've been a pretty girl, you might've been a nerd, you might've been, whatever you were in. And so this is what happens. God takes you out of your people group and places you and sets you apart. And you and I now have the responsibility to live and walk out this life of being set apart. And so you and I need to understand that if we want to have a relationship with Jesus that is maturing, there needs to be this hunger and this passion to allow Jesus to set us apart and to live differently. I love what it's the word in Greek. The word in Greek for consecration is a little bit different. In Hebrew, it's the context of how God takes us from something and places us into something else. Now we are, now we are different. In, he, in Greek, oh, sorry, in Hebrew. But in Greek though, the word is hagiosmos, which is the process of making or becoming holy. Amen. And so what that tells me is this, that tells me that not only has God designed it in me at the moment of salvation. See, before salvation, I was just like everybody else. You were just like everybody else. The Bible says in John that you were not a child of God. You were actually the son of the devil. You were not saved. But that through Christ's blood and resurrection, you have now been adopted into the family of God. You have now been purchased and you've been adopted. And so now you are not belonging to who you used to belong to. Come on. And why I feel like I'm getting in some people's kitchens today is this, is that oftentimes as people who follow Jesus, we want to say we're disciples, but we associate with the lifestyle of people who aren't. 
I'm not saying it's bad to possibly hang out with people who don't know Jesus. Of course, Jesus sat with sinners. Now make sure you love like Jesus loves and make sure that you got it like Jesus got it or else you're gonna be turning up like they do. What I have found myself guilty of, and I think everyone in this room for a season has found themselves guilty of, and until we really let God do something in our heart, is being Christian by word, but not by action. And now what I am doing is, although my Instagram or TikTok or Facebook profile says that I love Jesus, my association based on who I used to belong to looks nothing like what Jesus would on the earth. But the Bible says that God has called me to be separate, to no longer be who I used to be. Come on. And for you, for someone in here, that's such good news because at this current moment, I tell you right now, you are miserable with who you are currently because you don't understand why it's so dark or why it's so broken or why you're hurting so much. But I came to tell you there's hope that you don't have to stay on this side anymore because in Jesus, God can make something new inside your life. And then once God makes something new inside you, he brings you into a new family who also believes in the same thing you believe in. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hagi Osmos talks about the process of making holy. And so what that also tells me is that not only do we function from a position of being being set apart, but then we also need to continue to let God develop us and grow us and mature us so that we can become holy like he's holy. Consecration. This is what I wrote down. I want want, want to just read to you something I wrote down real quick. Consecration is the art of allowing ourselves to mature in holiness. That our reaction would not be how close I can get to the line of sin, but instead, how can I position myself to never get close to that line? This is why I want to talk about this. Because oftentimes, when we are trying to grow up in Jesus, what you and I need to begin to develop in us is we need to begin to develop a heart of consecration, meaning is there, I I need to begin to develop a heart of holiness and a heart to be closer to Jesus and further away from sin. And so in Numbers, in Numbers, it talks about these people called Nazarites. And I just want to break this down just a little bit. In the Old Testament, Nazarites were these individuals who would choose to follow God, even though there were certain laws of the day, Levitical laws, priestly laws, that would only allow a certain group of people to get close to God because of the way it was designed at the time in the Old Testament. But God kind of made an escape clause. And says, if there's anybody here, if there's anybody in the room, if there's anybody in the nation of Israel who would want to grow closer to me and would want to grow deeper with me and would go farther than just serving the law, then they can take this vow, which is the vow of an Azurite. And really what it was is, I'm not going to get into the, the, the legalities of it because that's not important. What it was, it was these individuals who said, I, though I am not a priest, I want to get closer to God today. I want to get closer to God today. I want to set my life apart so that God can do something amazing through me. And so that way I can show the world, my family, my nation, how much I love Jesus. 
God created a New Testament reality of relationship in an Old Testament covenant. You see this even in the life of David, where, where David sets up a tabernacle of a church 24-7 of worship and prayer to kind of foreshadow the ongoing presence and relationship you and I will have with Jesus forever. And so in the same way, God sets this up in the Old Testament as a foreshadow to show us how in the New Testament, because we're in the New Testament now, we're in, this, we're in a new dispensation, we're, we're in a new covenant, we're in a new grace, that even in the Old Testament, that God's heart were that so that people would choose Jesus over everything else. And that you and I, if we were gonna mature in our relationship with Jesus, then we would have to have a heart of consecration. And, and what I really mean by that is this, is that everyone, come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's a line that you and I know that's called sin. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's line is different in a way because everyone struggles with different sins, but it's always there. Come on. It's always there. And what I have learned, especially in modern day Christianity, is a lot of us, we look at that line and we got a really complicated relationship with that line called sin. We do. Why? Because we look at it and maybe at church on Sunday, we're like, I'm not going to even look at it and I'm not going to touch it and ill. <laughs> and then on Monday, tap. Come on, come on, let's be real. Tap. Two taps, take three steps backward. Come on. And then there's just some of us that are just like. You know, right foot, left stone. Left foot, left stone. And then we cha-cha back thinking it's worship. Come on. This is what consecration is. Consecration is saying, Jesus, it's not about how close I can get to the line, but Jesus, how far can I get away from it? Can I tell you that some of you need to grow up in this? Because so many of you have a relationship with sin you should not have. It's like that girl you never should have dated in the seventh grade that broke your heart. I cannot tell you sin will always break your heart. Sin will always leave you hanging. Sin will always leave you discouraged. Sin will always leave you empty. Sin will always leave you broken. You will never be able to fill the hole in your heart with sin. Every time you cross that line, you'll always wish you never crossed it. And can I tell you that there's a gracious, loving, merciful God that it doesn't matter how far you cross that line, he's willing to pull you back in. He's willing to pull you back in. And so for the Nazarites, there, this, was, this was a couple things. One, this, this vow that they would take, right? They, they wouldn't cut their hair and, and they wouldn't eat grapes or they wouldn't drink wine and they wouldn't go to funerals. And, and really what it was is there were the, they were signs so that way people could tell they were different. And although that's not required today, there has to be something in your life that people can tell that you're different. 
there has to be something in your life where you can say to others and your pastor and your family and your kids and to Jesus that God, my heart would be separate from the things of this world, that God, you would do something inside of me that would be different than what's like everything else out there. I don't want to be who I used to be. It was first, it was an outward expression. I'm just going to do a couple points. It was an outward expression of an internal decision. This Nazarite vow was an outward expression of an internal decision. These Nazarites, they didn't make the vow just to be outwardly holy. No, it was an internal processing they did. So that way they chose God's heart over the rest of the world. They chose God's plan. They chose God's purpose. They chose, they chose God's laws. They, they chose Jesus. And so number one, if you and I are gonna learn to grow and mature in consecration, you need to make an internal decision and that there needs to be an outward expression of this internal decision. Number two is that it was a physical sign of separation. When I was in high school, trying to love Jesus, I don't know if any of you in the room, some of you teenagers, I know it's tough. Sometimes you just don't have to go to the party, you know? I remember, <laughs> I remember locker room, lock, one of the grossest places in America is the boys' locker room. <laughs> Spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, it's just, eh, eh. hated it. The guys would all talk about the, the parties they were going to and the girls they were getting with. And, and then I would just tell them about the churches I was preaching at and what I did on Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, I would do it on purpose. I, I, I would. I would. When they were talking about, oh, yeah, I was with this girl, and she was da-da-da, and this and that, like stupid stuff, right? Da-da-da, and this and this and that. And I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I prayed for this dude, and, and he was on the street, and his leg was messed up, and God healed him on Saturday. <laughs> Pastor Ed remembers. He knew me when I was a teenager. And... Uh, I would do that, not because I was trying to gloat, but because I wanted to make sure that they always knew that there was something different about me, not because I was holier, but because I never wanted them to think I was guilty by association with their conversation. So I would intentionally do things like tell stories about whatever God was doing in my life or the weekend or buy kids lunch or whatever, or do what I needed to do, not because I wanted to prove myself. No, but because I wanted there to be a physical sign of, hey, that Chris kid, he's different. I wouldn't go to the party, not because I didn't think Jesus couldn't save them at the party. Jesus could save whatever he wants is Jesus. Like stop trying to put him in a box and use religious activity for a way for you to step on the line. Like, all right, you, you're not trying to preach. You're just trying to drink a beer. You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. So like, I, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. I, I, would cer- I would do certain things. Me, me, everyone has a thing. I would do certain things. Like at work, I would have a Bible on my desk. Why? Because I want people to know that I'm different. I, I, I would wear wristbands or shirts or post on social. It's just an excuse. It's a physical sign. So that way people can know that I love Jesus more than I love anything else. And that's all this Nazarite vow was. And really what it was is it was this, con- it's this, it was this vow, it was this heart of consecration and, and they would match it with these signs so that way when people saw their long hair or saw that they were fasting or saw that they couldn't go to funerals, they understood, oh, but he's different. And you and I need to get to the place where physical signs show the world of our separation 
between us and our relationship with sin. Because we shouldn't be who we used to be. And number three, my favorite thing about it is that it was a lifestyle, not a moment. Nazarites lived this. It wasn't a good church conference. It wasn't a good Sunday. They didn't live for Jesus on Sunday between 8, 30, 10, 11, 30, or one, or whatever the case may be, or just that small group. They did this day in and day out. And what you and I need to begin to understand if we're gonna talk about consecration, if we're gonna say, Jesus, I need you to mature me in this. I need this to be an indicator in my life that I'm growing in you. And some of you maybe already are. Some of you are no longer having the desire to get close to the sin line like you used to. And what's happening is it's turning into a lifestyle and not just a moment. It's turning into your everyday. Because Jesus did not just purchase you for the weekend. I've said this before, but you know, it's not like he won you a little bit on the divorce and he gets visitation rights. That's, that's not what God wants to do. He wants a lifestyle of your heart constantly devoted to him. I think a lot of the immaturity that people who say they love Jesus have, it really, this is a big one. It starts here because so many people don't have a heart of consecration, meaning they don't have a heart to say no to sin and yes to God. I'm not talking about the action. We'll talk about that another week. We'll, we'll, we'll actually break down the practicals of obedience another week, but I'm just talking about heart today. I'm just talking about internal. I'm just, I'm just talking, do you even want to say no? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You know when like you're in a room by yourself with something you're not supposed to be in the room with? Come on, we've all been there. The thing that your boss is telling you to do, you're not supposed to do, a computer, a substance you're not supposed to have, whatever, whatever. What does your heart say, family? Are you struggling? Good if you are. Because if you're not and you just give in every time, no wonder you feel like you're always stuck. What's on the inside of you? What's God developing on the inside? What, can God develop a heart of consecration inside of you? Can, can God develop a heart of holiness inside of you? Can, can God do what he did, for example, like in David, that David was a man after God's own heart? Can, can he do something in you that doesn't want anything to do with whatever doesn't have Jesus in it? This is fundamental in discipleship, family. This is fundamental in saying yes to Jesus. This is fundamental in raising your kids the right way. Can you step up and say, God, I don't want to get close to the line at all. I'm almost done. First Peter says this. I'll go to the New Testament just to make sure no one thinks I'm a false teacher or something. <laughs> Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Dang, he said ignorant. <laughs> ignorance. This is New Testament. It's not even the Old Testament. Peter says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Because you didn't know. But 
Verse 13 says this, but as he who has called you, he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. You shall be holy for I am holy, verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with the fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed, come on somebody, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So what is, what is Peter saying? Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Because it's crazy out there. Consecrate yourself. Make the decision now to be holy internally. And, and I know you're going to still have to work at it. And I know there's some progress. And that's why you need to join a group. And that's why you need to get on a team. Because you're going to need to work on some stuff. But, but make the decision now. Just make it with some backbone and some stamina. Internalize this reality that, God, I'm going to be holy because you're holy. And, and I know I'm not going to be perfect. But, God, help me to choose you. Instead of the thing that I keep running to, help me to be, to be consecrated before you. Let, let me have a heart of consecration. Let me have a heart of being set apart. And for some of you, it's not even going to be sin. Some of you, it's even things that aren't sin, but you know they're getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus right now. Some of you, it could be entertainment. Some of you, it could be whatever the case may be. And what is God trying to speak to you so that way you could consecrate yourself before him for you and your family? Maybe in this season, it's not even about you, but God, I'm gonna consecrate myself before you so that way my kids can follow you greater than they've ever been able to follow you. What are the things I'm gonna avoid? What are the things I'm gonna line up with so that way... Only God has this heart, not, nothing, not anything else. I love what Peter says. He says three things, and we can just throw them up there. He says to prepare your mind. He says sober-mindedness and holy conduct. And I'm gonna cl close with this, because this is what I believe we need to do. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Chris, I need my heart to be consecrated. I need my heart to be set apart. I need to make the internal decision to sever the relationship with sin. I need God's grace to do that. I need to do this in my life because I'm tired of being immature. I wanna grow in my relationship with Jesus. Number one, you need to prepare your mind. Get it in here and in here. You need to internalize the decision. You need to say yes in here before it ever becomes a reality on the outside. And I'm not saying think it, speak it. No, no, no. I just, I, I, I really mean it. The Bible, the Bible really talks about this. Preparation. I'm not talking about fancy witchcraft voodoo, new age stuff. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about let God prepare your mind for what he wants to do with your life. Let him in. Number two, you need to get sober-minded. I think this is where we get stuck. You have too much clutter in here. And then what happens when everything freaks out and chaos happens and I ah, like it's happening. Oh my God, no, no, no. I'm just gonna go default to the thing that made me feel good. Because you respond, you react instead of respond. You need to be sober-minded. You need to let God heal you on the inside. Sober mind, you need, to, you need to be sober. You need to stop thinking in, a, in an intoxicated way that isn't clear and decisive 
and what God has given you by His Word and by His law and by His plans. You need to let God do some internal healing. And lastly, guys, you just need to do it. You need to live holy. Holy conduct, holy conduct. Does my life look consecrated? Does my life look like I'm set apart? Do my kids, come on, because <laughs> they see all your junk. And they tell Vanessa everything, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, no, I'm just kidding. They do, but she don't tell me nothing. We're good. They're, because they do, we, when we do prayer and stuff, they're doing the same thing over there. And, and you best believe, Vanessa's like, what can we pray for you? My mommy and daddy have been fighting. Vanessa's like, oh, well, we're not going to know their last names. We're just going to. Come on. Do your kids, do your kids actually think like you love Jesus? Like that's an easy one. Because if they don't, ain't no one else thinks you love Jesus. I'll tell you that right now. Holy conduct. Internal decision, internal healing, external living. Number one, make the decision to say, God, I'm gonna consecrate myself before you. God, grow in me a heart of consecration. Number two, heal me of anything that's getting in the way. Number three, let me live out the thing that's internalized. And so my question to you is this, last point, all the way at the end is what part of your heart have you not consecrated? Do me a favor, stand to your feet. We're gonna let you go. But I wanna ask you this question. I think God already did a little bit of surgery work this morning, but I just wanna, just wanna let him have one more opportunity. Do me a favor, close your eyes. And I want you to think about that question. Just a simple question, but it's actually very profound. What part of my heart have I not let Jesus consecrate or set apart? Where is it? And you know what? There might be some pain there. There might be some fear there. There might've been some abuse there. I understand. But family, you will never grow if you don't let Jesus have all of you. What part of your heart have you not set apart? What part of your life have you not consecrated? Are you one way here and another way somewhere else? Are you living two or three different lives? Are you wearing masks to hide who you really are? And I wanna pray with you that God would begin to work on your heart so that way you can consecrate it before him. I believe that today you would choose to grow in this. So if that's you, if you have anything in your heart or your life you know you haven't consecrated, just put your hand on your heart real quick. I want to just pray for you and then we're going to let you go. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.